Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to this Book of Mormon podcast for the Come Follow Me lessons. This is actually going to be lesson number 42, covering Mormon chapters 1 through 6 for the time frame of October 26th through November 1st. So uh, this is kind of the sad tale here of the end of the Nephite civilization, as we've been reading. Uh, Mormon's going to be uh, showing up, showing up now in verse one. He mentions uh, his name here, um, and saying that he's uh, the one that's recording this part here, and he's the one that's doing the abridgment. Um, verse two and talks about Ammon, who hid up the records unto the Lord. He came unto me, I being about ten. So Mormon's only ten years old when Ammon comes and says. Um, I perceive that thou art a sober child and art quick to observe. Wouldn't it be great if we could be we could be um, characterized that way, that we're sober and that we're quick to observe? Now, being sober just means thoughtful or serious-minded, being mature beyond one's chronological age. Um, and so that's what uh, Amaron is noticing in, in Mormon. Being quick, quick to observe, though, is something uh, that's also desirable. Um, Elder Bednar said, note that the root word observe is used three times in these verses, and Mormon, even in his youth, is described as being quick to observe. As you study and learn and grow, I hope you are learning about and becoming quick to observe. Your future success and happiness will in large measure be determined by this spiritual capacity. As used in the scriptures, the word observe has two primary uses. One use denotes to look or to see or to notice, as we learn in Isaiah. Um... The second use of the word observe suggests to obey or to keep as it evident in the Doctrine and Covenants, but blessed are they who have kept the covenant and observed the commandment. Thus, when we are quick to observe, we promptly look or notice and obey. Both of these fundamental elements, looking and obeying, are essential to being quick to observe. And the Prophet Mormon is an impressive example of this gift in action. Being quick to observe is an antecedent to and is linked with the spiritual gift of discernment. Being quick to observe is a prerequisite to and a preparation for the gift of discernment. We can hope to obtain that supernal gift of discernment and its light of protection and direction only if we are quick to observe, if we both look and obey. And so that's a good, good counsel from Elder Bednar about being quick to observe, to notice and obey. And then he mentions uh, in 24 years, or, or when he was 24 years, um, that he would be commanded by Amaron to go back to the hill Shim, uh, where Amaron has deposited the plates and all the records. Um, and so there's more plates being left behind in the hill probably than, uh, than what Mormon's going to end up getting. But uh, So there's lots of plates that, that uh, Mormon's going to get later on. Verse 5, I, Mormon, being a descendant of Nephi, uh, remembered the things which Amaron commanded me. And, in the, and, and being 11 years old, my father carried me into the land southward, even to the land of Zarahemla. And then he describes Zarahemla as a large city, lots of buildings, and so on. He's pretty impressed. Then in verse 15, I being 15 years of age, 
So he's a little bit older than the prophet Joseph Smith uh, when he had his first vision. Being somewhat of a sober mind, therefore I was visited of the Lord and tasted and knew of the goodness of Jesus. So in spite of the wickedness that's going on all around Mormon, here's this youth that's able to keep the commandments and do the things that the Lord is asking him to do. And uh, he's being righteous in a very wicked, a wicked world surrounding him. And that's good, a good example, good counsel for the rest of us, too, that uh, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We can still be righteous, much like Joseph, who was sold into Egypt, uh, that he was good in spite of the circumstances that he was placed in. Uh, in verse 17, it's very unusual. Mormon is told not to, to preach to the people uh, because of the hardness of their hearts. And this is also when uh, the three Nephites would be taken away from them. Uh, and so they're also gone at this point. Uh, verse 18, Gadianton robbers uh, begin to be among them, and uh, so they're getting uh, another foothold, and they're uh, getting quite strong. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, then it mentions that uh, Mormon becomes the leader of the Nephite army, and he's only 16 years old. Uh, so he's a pretty impressive guy. Now, it's not just impressive that he's 16, because he's actually going to lead the army again when he's about 74. So he's doing this for quite a long period of time with a couple of times in between when he, he stops uh, stops doing that just because of the wickedness of the people. Um, so then in, in verse 3, uh, the people are now um, retreating towards the land north. And so we're going to have sort of a division here between the lands of the Nephites and the lands of the Lamanites. Um, and... Uh, in verse 12, it says, uh, I, Mormon, saw their lamentation. He was hoping that the Nephites would repent here. They were sorrow. They had sorrow and, and so on. But then he says, this, my joy was vain. In verse 13, for their sorrow was not to repentance. They were sorry because they couldn't take happiness in sin. And so that's the purpose of their mourning, uh, that they couldn't be happy in, in breaking the commandments. Um, down to verse... Um, 17, the city Jershon, or Jashon, was near the land of Amaron, had deposited the records uh, into the hill Shem and the Lord that they might not be destroyed. So uh, Mormon is hiding up the record again. Uh, verse 18, and upon the plates of Nephi did make a full account of all the wickedness and abominations of these people. So he's, Mormon is writing on the large plates of Nephi then, the full account. But when Mormon grabs all the plates and does his abridgment, he's not going to include everything. He's just going to include an abridgment of what's happening. And that's what we have here in, in the books, uh, in the chapters of the Book of Mormon. Uh, we read in verse uh, 19 that uh, Mormon knows that he's going to be lifted up the last day. In other words, he's probably had his calling election made sure. And again, uh, it's possible to be righteous in a very wicked world. And, and so that's what Moroni is, or Mormon is showing us here. <clears throat> so in this chapter, um, beginning in about uh, 23, there, there's a fight now between the Lamanites and the Nephites. And uh, they are, uh, Mormon is leading them and, and uh, helping them to beat the, the, Neph uh, the Lamanites. And it mentions in verse 26, uh, did meet them again and did beat them. Nevertheless, the strength of the Lord was not with us. And so this is all just on their own. This is their own strength. And so, of course, because they beat the Lamanites, they take honor to that. They take, uh, they believe that it's their great strength that's defeating the Lamanites. And so they're very boastful and, and uh, still will not trust upon the Lord. In chapter 3 of Mormon, uh, Mormon is given the charge to cry unto the people of repentance again. He's giving them, the Lord's giving them one more chance 
to repent so that they won't be swept off, that they won't be completely destroyed. Had they chosen to, to repent here, uh, the, the Lamanites could not have had power over them. The Nephites would have been protected, but uh, they chose not to. Um, and then in verse 11, Mormon says, I did utterly refuse from this time forth to be a commander and a leader of this people because of their wickedness and abomination. So now the Nephites are just going to have to do this all on their own. Uh, and part of that is because the Nephites have decided to, to be um, aggressive, to be on the offensive rather than to be on the defensive, which is what the Nephites usually were. Uh, when they were defensive, then they had the protection of the Lord, but now they're going to go on the offensive. And from this time forth, they're not going to be, be able to have any protection from the Lord. And that's why Mormon is uh, refusing to go up, up against them, uh, against the Lamanites in their behalf. Chapter 4, the battle continues. Uh, the judgments of God are overtaking the wicked, it mentions in verse 5. Um, and then in verse 23, Mormon, seeing that the Lamanites were about to overthrow the land, therefore I did go to the hill Shem and did take up all the records which Amaron had hid up unto the Lord. So now he's going to take all the records with him and uh, he's going to have a period of time here where he's going to be able to, to do some things to hide them and to keep them from, um, from the uh, Lamanites who would destroy them. So verse 5 uh, mentions that he is without hope. Again, this is what it would be like to be without any hope in Christ. Uh, that there's just total destruction. Verse 8 mentions that there's just car blood and carnage continually for Mormon. Uh, verse um, 9 then gives us the purpose of the Book of Mormon, that a knowledge of these things might come unto the remnant of this people, also unto the Gentiles. Um, and so the Lord is telling us here that the Book of Mormon is going to come forth in the last days. Um, verse 14, Behold they, meaning the words of the Book of Mormon, shall go unto the, unto the unbelieving of the Jews, and for this intent shall they go that they may be persuaded that Jesus is the Christ. So again, this is the purpose of the Book of Mormon, uh, that, that's uh, for the to bring people to Christ. That's what that's what this is all about. In spite of the fact that it's all, that we're talking about wars and fighting here, uh, but the purpose of the Book of Mormon is to convince people that Jesus is the Christ. At the end of chapter five, he's talking about the scattering that would occur among the Lamanites. Uh, this is when uh, when America gets established and the Lamanites are being uh, pushed to various places on the country uh, and the destruction or the scattering of the of the Lamanites occurs and that's what's being prophesied in chapter 5. Then in chapter 6, Mormon tells us that he's going to finish the record concerning the destruction of his people and so now he writes an epistle to the to the king of the Lamanites asking for permission and for time to uh, gather all of his people and that the Lamanites would gather all of their people so that there could be one final battle. And so that's going to occur at the Hill Cumorah. Uh, we're not sure, again, exactly where the Hill Cumorah is, whether it's in New York or if it's in Mexico or South America somewhere. Uh, we just don't know where, where exactly this is. We know that, uh, that when, when uh, Moroni is finished burying all the plates, that he does bury them in New York, obviously, because that's where, that's where Joseph Smith is going to find them. But where, where they are at this point, we don't know. Remember that uh, Moroni lives for several decades and is able to, to move the plates as he, as he needs to. Um, and so we don't know exactly where this battle takes place, whether it's in New York or whether it's somewhere else. But uh, this is telling us about the, how many people are being killed, um, that uh, there's about 230,000 soldiers. We don't know if that includes the men and women or not, or the women and children, but uh, 
there's at least 230,000 men that are destroyed here at the at this final battle. Don't know how, how many people are, are destroyed among the Lamanites, but we know that all the Nephites uh, get destroyed or they go to or they defect to the Lamanite side. And so that's what's happening here. Now, this uh, section gets cap, uh, capstoned by verse 22. Oh, that ye had repented before this great destruction had come upon you. So the, the, the Nephites brought this upon themselves. This was not a Lamanite thing that happened to them. Rather, the Nephites did it to themselves. He says, But behold, ye are gone, and the Father, yea, the eternal Father of heaven, knoweth your state, and he doeth with you according to his justice and mercy. And so, uh, depending on how they... Uh, their wickedness or righteousness upon their deaths um, is going to be what determines their judgment. I bear testimony that what we're reading here is translated material and that uh, this tells us uh, how what it's like to live without any hope in Christ and that's not a way to live. We want to have hope in Christ so that we can be forgiven of our sins and be protected by his, his care against all of our enemies. And I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.